1: Love Talk Radio Oh mama, I'm in fear for
2: my life from the long, I'm of the law Got miles to go before we sleep Lawmen is putting to my running And I'm so far from my home We will not go gently uh, We're going to unleash hell here in December Oh mama, I can hear Ryan, you're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I'd hey, like play football.
1: coming down from the gallows, and I don't have
2: Welcome once again to the Steeler Hangover, brought to you by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. For anything, everything, and whatever Pittsburgh Steelers news, commentary, fun, we have got it all. We've got 10 new articles coming every single day, and we've got hilarity, brought to you by none other than our good friend, Tony Deffio. Tony, good
1: evening, my friend. Hey, Brian. Happy Monday. Happy post-Super Bowl. Uh, it's great to be with you once again, and can't wait to talk about the Super Bowl and many other th- things involving the Steelers.
2: Yep, I know exactly what you want to talk about, and uh, I can't wait to talk about the Super Bowl because, uh, um, you know what, it was actually a game that I was – it did keep my attention. Everyone talked about how boring it was. Not for me. I i just uh, – I didn't like the ending, of course, because that gives up. My, uh, you know, who I was rooting for, who uh, mostly everybody outside of um, Massachusetts, Louisiana, and St. Louis, Missouri were rooting for. I did leave them out last week, but you are right. Once again, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. I forgot to say that at the beginning. And um, I'm really excited to uh, talk about this game. And uh, le- let's get to the most exciting thing of this game. Tony, and I think you will agree. I will agree, but most likely my wife and her friends will agree that Adam Levine and Maroon Five were the best thing of the Super Bowl. <laughs> Fact or fiction?
1: <laughs> Fact. I was uh, I was bowling, and my uh, one friend, my teammate, said, uh, "Oh look, he popped his shirt off for all the ladies," and I almost dropped the ball I'm laughing. So to me, that was the best part. <laughs>
2: You know what? So my wife and her friends were like, uh, they, uh, they hearken back to 2004 and one of my favorite moments. I can't believe that uh, Nipplegate and the uh, wardrobe malfunction was actually 15 years ago, Tony. And I oh, remember man. that as plain as day. And my, wife's, my wife and her friends were saying, boy, too bad there couldn't be a wardrobe malfunction tonight. And hear <laughs> me as a guy, as a guy that is proud of his, I mean, you know, has a staunch record of heterosexuality. I'm like, you know what? I would love to see that. I think that would be the most hilarious thing ever to see Adam Levine flopping in the wind in front of millions and millions of people all over the U.S. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I digress. We're here to talk about football. I actually thought the uh, the halftime show was pretty good. I am a Maroon 5 fan. I have seen them in concert. Um, actually, I went to see the Counting Crows. And this was about, gosh, this was probably about almost 12 years ago. And they, it was the Counting Crows and uh, Maroon 5. And this was the third time I saw the Counting Crows, who, an amazing band. But they just didn't have it that night. But then Maroon 5 took the stage, and I, I knew very little about these guys. I'm like, oh, these guys could really take it home. And they just kept coming year after year after year. I think it's a good band. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding the Super Bowl. I know they tried to water it down a little bit. um, But as far as the halftime show, I thought they did a pretty good job. But most importantly, the game and the three teams involved. And why do you say three teams, Brian? Well, as always, we're talking about the Super Bowl, so it is the Los Angeles Rams. It is the New England Patriots. And anything we talk about here, Tony, surrounds the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's actually what I want to talk to you about tonight. So you're watching this game, Tony, and you're seeing a complete lack of offense on both sides of the ball. And we know the Rams have a good defense, but we saw what teams like New Orleans were able to do to them in the regular season. Even two weeks ago in the NFC championship game. And we also saw what the Kansas city chiefs did to them in Mexico city. um, With they put up a lot of points on this team. So they put up 50 on this team. So my question to you is what was just fact or fiction? The Pittsburgh Steelers would have scored more than 13 points had they been at full strength and in this game, and when I say full strength, I'm not talking about Le'Veon Bell, I'm just talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers that we saw in 2018.
1: I'd say it's a fact. I think they were they were uh, they had a pretty good offense uh, until James Conner got hurt. I guess so. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, fact, and he would have been back by the time the playoffs started. So yeah, fact.
2: Because, you know, the bottom line is we would not have all of this, this Antonio Brown, um, let's just put flip-floppiness, um, because it seems to go back and forth every single time I I look at Twitter. It seems like there's something new. Um, yesterday was no exception. Very early in the morning, I believe it was, uh, I guess it was in, um, Adam Schefter reporting that uh, that uh, Antonio Brown has said that uh, he's not going to uh, – he's told teammates that he does never want to play in Pittsburgh again, um, that he's still hoping that they trade him, um, so on and so forth. And then he tweets out in the middle of the game. Did you see his tweet in the middle of the game, Tony?
1: Uh, unfortunately I didn't But I do follow him I should have paid more attention
2: It was something to the effect of Hey Steeler Nation Do you still want me in black and gold <laughs> So well, that basically, is Hey so... Taking a poll Do you, do you want me
1: What so, so were the results
2: <laughs> You know what I, I didn't even look Um, I really should have For the sake of uh, This show And uh, what I do here on BTSC But uh uh, you know, I saw a little bit of it. Some people back and forth were like, uh, "Yeah, we want you, uh, don't leave ever." And then, then you have the the grumpy fans that uh, oh, yeah. you know, the keyboard warriors is what we call them that just want to blast them. But it seemed more positive than anything. So I'm still, I'm still on the opinion that Antonio Brown wants to play for this football team or is going to play for this football team. Um, we talked a lot about this last week, that if the offer does not roll in, um, that if that happens, that they're going to go ahead and uh, almost act like it never happened. (laughs) uh, He'll apologize. And because once I heard this last week, that uh, he leads the league in apologies to his teammates. He seems to (laughs) apologize every single week. Um, You know, I... (laughs) You know, you can't erase what happened, but look, you know, it's like it's like an argument with a significant other that gets really ugly. You know, and you have to go ahead and take a look at the whole situation and say, hey, do we want to be together or not? And here are the benefits of us being together. And that's really what the Steelers and Antonio Brown need to do. I mean – Shouldn't they put this behind them? I think so. So I'm going to say to you, fact or fiction, the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room cannot put this behind them. Is that fact or fiction, Tony?
1: Can I put it behind them? I think that's fiction. I think they can put it behind them. There are a lot of professionals. There are a lot of good guys in that locker room. And do a job, and and he's not – I'm, not, I'm pretty sure he's not a huge distraction in the locker room. Him not being there nah. on, on week 17 would be a huge distraction, which it was, but other than that, I can you know for, by all accounts, he, he's loved by most of his teammates, and I think that's, that's good enough. So I think they could put it behind them. I just wish, and we talked about this two weeks ago, he would come out and say what the problem is and why he is having issues. And we have not heard his side of the story, and we really should. It's been well over a month now. I do you think he knows
2: what the problem is.
1: At this point it might he, it might be so many little things and and there it's not one big thing and he just doesn't he's just so far gone as far as, as as his his belligerence towards whoever his coach his some of his teammates that that he doesn't even know what the issue is anymore.
2: You know, you and I love the 80s and we talk about this all the time. There is a song that uh, that sticks in my head, and it, it's not a very. It's more of a, uh, a song that went maybe top twenty, top twenty-five. wasn't one of their big ones. And this group had a few number ones. They had big ones. I'm talking about the Los Angeles uh, four woman band, the Bangles, and we all know them for Manic Monday, Eternal Flame, Hazy Shade of Winter. I mean, they they had some great stuff of it, of course. Walk Like, the, walk like an Egyptian was their biggest. But between Manic Monday and Walk Like an Egyptian, they have a song called If She Knew What She Wants.
1: Do you remember that song? Vaguely, vaguely. I know they had a lot of great songs. They were a great band, but I, I vaguely remember that song, yeah. You know,
2: look that one up. It's actually a really, really good song. And uh, the lyrics are basically, if she knew what she wants, he'd be giving it to her.
1: And oh, okay,
2: I know that song. Think, yeah, never mind. Yeah, I I can't. Does she know
1: what yeah. she wants? She be giving
2: yeah, yeah, it yeah. to Great. Uh, sorry for singing. But yeah, it was a <laughs> that's a you know very good song. Um nineteen eighty six, um, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, the mm. reason I bring that up, it just it just stinks of Antonio Brown. It really. I mean, when I hear that, I think of that song, and I think of him, I'm like, right there. I just don't know if he knows what he wants. I think the bottom line is he wants love, and he wants the spotlight, and Juju Smith-Schuster took it from him, and Ben Roethlisberger continues to take it from him, and actually now, but what he doesn't understand is, in fans' eyes, these guys aren't taking it from him. They're all a part of the. They're all a part of the, uh, the big picture and the puzzle, and they're all important. And you know, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger needs Antonio Brown. He needs Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith Schuster needs Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. Antonio Brown needs Juju Smith Schuster and Ben Roethlisberger, all for different reasons, because their presence situations up for one another. And that's the bottom line to it. Speaking of Juju Smith Schuster, what a boy is he becoming. He's becoming a star um, outside of the football field um, in commercials. He's getting a lot of action. Did you happen to see? He was, uh, of course, he was involved in that Super Bowl 100, excuse me, that NFL 100 um, promo that. I mean, I think everybody would agree was absolutely amazing, especially if you're a Steeler fan. Absolutely. So, I mean, he was towards the beginning of that whole thing. I mean, but Mm. Franco at the end, Franco at the end, picking up the, uh, doing the immaculate reception, you had Joe Green in there, you had uh, Terry Bradshaw. Um, It was just, uh, I might have missed one or two, but uh, he... You know, Juju is definitely involved, in. Juju is becoming the man. And Juju, would you agree that he's becoming a bigger part of the locker room, um, now going into his third year, than uh, anybody ever expected, especially when he came out and said, hey, quit the BS? Of course, I'm paraphrasing. You know, just look get everybody back in here. Just let's quit the crap.
1: So yeah, well, I mean, that makes. Sorry, oh, Tony. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I think I think he has. To I come, mean, i just... uh, He, he yeah, has to become a bigger a part, of, a, a part of the locker room because, uh, you know, he, he you know, it, it, he's coming into his third year, and he, he's he's a, he's a star. He's a productive player, and and he's a great character guy. And and, and they've been going in that direction the last few drafts with, with guys like that, T.J. Watt, him. In, uh, James Conner, and they're all leaders. So I think it, it's only a natural for him to, to finally step up and say, hey, so, yeah, I think he is becoming a bigger crew, and I think that's going to be a good thing in the long run.
2: But the big thing is, will any of these guys listen to him? And I'm talking about a Vion Bell. I'm talking about an Antonio Brown.
1: Will they listen? Those guys probably not. No, I mean they're they're they've been around for a while, and and, and Antonio Brown certainly won't listen. I don't think um, he needs somebody with more cachet I, I, at this point, I guess, to to listen to him. But but the the, the younger players certainly will, and I think that's you know people are, are constantly you know talking about the the culture of the locker room. Well, that's how you, that's how the locker room gets better you bring younger guys in young character guys like him and again, Watt and a bunch of others. And then they, they establish their, their role in the locker room and then everybody follows them. And, and, and that's how you create a, a uh, the culture you want. I think it's, that's how it's going to have to happen. I mean, it, most people will tell you it's, it's, it's more the players that set the tone in the locker room than the coach. You know, the, 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 they're there holding each other accountable. So I think that's, it's going to be a natural progression, and I think, in the next couple of years. I think it's, it's it's something we can all look forward to.
2: Who's the one player that you think that uh, they can pluck from the past that would really help this team inside the locker room? I've got a guy in mind, and I'm going to just throw him out as a fact or fiction. A guy like Heinz Ward, fact or fiction, Tony, can go ahead and stabilize this locker room.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was really good at at, at holding uh, teammates accountable. Uh, he's one who told Plexico Burris, "Hey, you need to uh, study the playbook." You know, so you know he's definitely he he, he never minced words when it came to um, to telling his teammates what they had to do. And he was he led by example. He led with his you know uh, vocally. So yeah, I think he he would be uh, a great mentor in that locker room definitely somebody, I don't think they could they could go wrong, because he was all about winning, and he was all about doing doing it the right way.
2: Who do you think is the most, let, let's just say the, uh, the, let's just go say the Bill Cowher years, and the Mike Tomlin okay. years, um, post-Chuck Noll. Who do you think is the most respected Pittsburgh Steeler of that era, so let's say since 1992, in a locker room? Um, of course, we threw in Heinz Ward there. Who else would we throw in as the most respected locker room
1: figures? I'd say, honestly, if it's not Jerome Bettis, it would have to be Aaron. I think Aaron, Aaron Smith. I mean, everybody universally loved that guy. I mean, they they would run through a brick wall for him. So I think it's 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 either Bettis or Smith, and I'm I'm actually leaning towards Aaron Smith. I think he was he was universally loved by everybody.
2: You know what I love that i I think that is a great call right there um you know definitely a a big one from that time um i you know what let me throw out a name that uh that uh, might be overlooked as much um just because he didn't start here, but he finished here and finished here in a big way. I think James Farrier was a huge locker room guy.
1: Yeah, actually when you mentioned he was, he it kind of uh, when Joey Porter uh, left and you were wondering who's going to be the vocal leader and the guy who got him ready on the sidelines in the tunnels it, it turned out it was, you think maybe Larry Foote or somebody like that, it, it was James Farrier, he was the one, you know you know, it's a five star matchup because we're in it, you know, you always hear that sound point so yeah, that's, that's a, that's a uh, good, good one, I mean there were a lot of them, there were definitely a lot of them, I think that's that was a great. That was a great era. It, it, it really was a great time to be a Steelers fan.
2: I, you know, one of my favorite Steelers. Uh, I actually have the number fifty one jersey. I bought it right after uh, they won the Super Bowl and had the uh, Super Bowl forty three um, logo on it. That patch, it's just one of my one of my guys there. So uh, let's, uh, where we were talking about Super Bowl 43, let's get back to Super Bowl 53. We talked a lot about the Steelers, and we talked about how the Steelers could have actually won that game,
0: could have scored
2: more points. Um, we definitely think that. But how many interceptions do you think Ben would have had? Would have Ben been, been the MVP of this game, or would have the Rams eaten him for lunch?
1: Well, when it comes to Super Bowls and, and Steeler MVPs, it has to—it would have had to have been a wide receiver because that's what, how it always went down. So probably would have been Antonio Brown, but you know, I think Brandon Cooks had a, had a, a remarkable game. He, he probably would have been the MVP had they won. And had he had on to the, the uh, catch at the end there. But uh, uh, I don't, how many picks would he have thrown? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the uh, Patriots played a – I'm sorry, uh, the Rams played a great, defense, uh, a, a great game on defense. Of course, they, both teams did. Uh, they had one play. Combined inside the twenty-yard line, which I think is amazing. So, how many picks would Ben have thrown? He probably would have thrown one or two because he—that's just—that's just Ben being Ben. So, I'm—I'm going to guess. I'm going to go with two.
2: But you think they could have won that game?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they, I, their offense, as, as everybody knows, when their offense is clicking, it's, it clicks better than anybody anybody's in the league. The problem that they have is obviously the consistency. And that goes hand-in-hand with, with, with Ben's uh, interceptions at the time. But but uh, I think they definitely could have won that game. I, 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 I mean, they beat the, the team that beat the Rams in the regular season. They almost beat the Saints, who could have been in the Super Bowl. So, absolutely, they could have won that game. How
2: great is Bill Belichick? I know we don't want to say it, but come on, we have to. How great is this guy? Not
1: as a guy, oh,
2: but as a coach.
1: He's up there with Lombardi. I mean, he's up there with Lombardi, Noel. I mean, any of the greats, Bill Walsh, any of the any of the uh, the all-time great coaches that you can name. He he's he's at the head of the line now. I mean, he, you have to put him up there. You just have to. I mean, nine Super Bowls in what seventeen years, eighteen years uh, that they, they've been to, and they've won six of them now. I mean, you know, the, we we could, we could say, well, let's see what he does without Brady, but you could say that about just about any coach. He's ever any great coach. who's ever ever uh, been in the NFL, so you can't really. Uh, that would be unfair to say that. It, it, but I mean, the, the the performance that his defense put on last night. I mean, you know, people talk about the Rams, but I, it was. I think that was the first time that that a, uh, a team has been held without a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, in, in the Super Bowl. It's definitely the lowest output of any team ever in the Super Bowl. No. No.
2: Well, here we could look at that a few ways because I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe when Dallas beat Miami and I want to say Super Bowl six, I believe that okay, game. Okay. Yeah,
1: twenty four to 3. three. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay, but good call. Good now, call. Now,
2: yeah, but even a bigger call, and it goes to uh, it, it goes back to something else too, that a team was, this team had a touchdown but it was a defensive touchdown. Do you know what team that so a team was shut out with no field goals whatsoever. And uh not only were they completely shut out, but they uh they uh, they did score a touchdown but no field goals whatsoever. What team was that?
1: That would be the uh, 74 Vikings in Super Bowl 9. And actually it was a blocked punt that they they returned for a touchdown.
2: Oh, block. Yeah, yes, excuse me.
1: I just I watched the highlight. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, best, that was the best defensive effort then. That was, that was an actual shutout. Very good call, Brian.
2: So yeah, they, they completely uh, that defense shut out that offense completely. Um, just no opportunities whatsoever. Um, up until last, uh, they still hold the record. The Steelers hold the record that Super Bowl the lowest score at halftime, 2-0, mm-hmm. courtesy of Dwight White's safety. Um, it was actually a fumble that uh, Fran Tarkenton scrambled to recover in the end zone. So that actually could have been a defensive touchdown there. Um, here's the thing. I know it's legend, but i got to talk about it if we're talking about Super Bowl IX. Uh, Dwight White was one of those stealers that you just don't think of when you're thinking of all the big names. But, man, that guy came to play in that game. Here's what this guy did in that game. He had had a virus so bad that he was in the hospital a week before the Super Bowl. He got out hours before the Super Bowl, lost 20 pounds in the hospital that week, went to a – not the Superdome. The Superdome wasn't ready. It was supposed to be in the Superdome. Wasn't ready. He goes there. In a rainy on a rainy cold Super Bowl, one of the worst conditions for a Super Bowl probably uh since Miami in uh two thousand and seven. the um, two thousand and six season with the Bears and the Colts. Um, but it was rainy, it was horrible, and then he goes ahead, not only gets that safety, he also bats a ball into Joe Green's hands to uh for an interception. I mean, just had an amazing game. So uh, hats off to uh, um, the late Dwight White and one of the greatest Super Bowl performances ever. That uh, doesn't really show up on the stat line as much, but when you hear the legend of that, you gotta you just gotta stand up and
1: applaud. Yeah, that was that was great. I mean, and 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 I, I just showed you how great Joe Green was because I mean they they had a lot of. Great defenders on that team, and, and they kind of get lost in the shuffle. But yeah, Dwight White. I mean, he was he was he was remarkable. Like you said, 20 pounds he lost, and he came. I guess he, like before the game, he said his teammates were treating him like, "All right, we know you're not a humor. Try to get you ready." And he come he comes out and he scores the first Super Bowl points in team history. So yeah, it's just it's just a, remarkable how great that defense was all from top to bottom.
2: You know what, and, and that was just uh, that was something. That the rest of that defense was amazing that Super Bowl, especially. Elsie uh, Greenwood had three batted balls. Um, Green had the fumble recovery. He had the uh, interception, but he was all over. He was so dominant in that game that uh, if it wasn't for Frank, it was 154 yards, um, and the uh, just the great play from him. Um, he would have been the MVP of that game. He would have been a defensive MVP. Um, also, here's something interesting. Who scored the first
1: touchdown
2: in Steelers Super Bowl history? Do you know that? Also from Super Bowl Nine.
1: Uh Franco, right? Was it Franco, yeah, on the, the, the sweep around left end that Moon uh, Mullins threw the great block for. Franco, I thought, right?
2: if I'm not mistaken... I thought that was the second one. The other guy that scored in this game, maybe I have it wrong. We'll have to look it up. The other guy that scored in that game, though, was uh, he? We knew him more as number seventy-nine, um, a Pro Bowl tackle, Larry Brown. But he was number eighty-seven, tight end, Larry Brown, in that game. And no, that was, and that was the last bat. touchdown. That was the last one. Okay. I I, I do stand corrected, and I have no problem with that. But uh, very interesting. Not a lot of people, when you think of uh, um, more anonymous guys to score touchdowns, I would say he would be one of them. And there's one more guy, um, even more anonymous than him, in Super Bowl 43, who scored a rushing touchdown, and it wasn't Willie Parker.
1: That was uh, Richard Huntley, right? Is that, is that, is that the right is No, that the right? It, oh. it
2: was number 33, but it was not Richard Huntley.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going Huntley back. Huntley was Way already gone. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, uh, I yeah, but was his same name. number. Yeah, he yeah. He was a
2: really big guy, free agent from the University of Minnesota. His name was Gary Russell.
1: Ah, uh, that's right. Gary Russell, yes.
2: You, there, there's one that not a lot of people are going to remember. But uh, with that being said, um... Let's get back. Let's finish up with the Super Bowl. You know, as much as I hate to go ahead and give the Patriots props, hey, they've deserved being at the same level as the Steelers at number six. I, You know, really, a lot of people were resisting it, didn't want that. In fact, it always drove me crazy five years ago when uh, five years ago or so when the uh, San Francisco Giants were, excuse me, San Francisco 49ers were going for sixth. Against the Baltimore Ravens and Steeler fans rooted for the Ravens, which I thought was just horrible because they didn't want company at six. Here's the bottom line with six: you could always get that record back. For me, I live in Maryland. You can't erase the Ravens championship. Nope. So that's uh, that's how I feel about that. And as a Steeler fan, look, you, you can't let the Ravens win. Look, you go and and go and get number seven, and that's fine. And and hold it on your own. The Steelers held it, held that record for 10 years. They can very easily get it back, and um, they can add to it. So don't worry about that six. It's just the fact that you just don't want it to be the Patriots. But credit where credit's due. Give the devil their due. That's a great football team. They find ways to win, and they get guys like Julian Edelman to. You come up huge. And I tell you what, can't stand the guy, especially for his comments a couple years ago that I thought were slighted, uh, Dan Rooney. Um, but Edelman is a beast. That is one Patriot that I would take on my team in a heartbeat. The heart that guy plays with, I mean, I love to watch him play, but this is something that's driving me crazy, right? Um, there, Phil Sims was talking about it on postgame, so I'm going to ask you, with a fact or fiction. Fact or fiction. Julian Edelman deserves to be in the Hall of Fame.
1: Uh, ah, I'm gonna say fiction. I don't I don't think he's a Hall of Fame player, at least not yet. No, I mean he's he's like what's the difference between him and Wes Walker? Not my I don't think there's much of a difference. So they're the same kind of well, player. I don't think anybody thinks Wes Walker should be in the Hall of Fame.
2: The big difference is that they're saying is he is second to Jerry Rice in postseason receptions and possibly yards. Um because, and that's because of the sheer volume of it probably. But uh his postseason performances are uh are amazing and that's why I guess that's why they're saying it. But um here's my thing. And I'm looking at this I'm looking at the Hall of Fame. I'm looking at Faneca. Great article, by the way, on uh, Fanica deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. I have another Thank one you. coming up, um, kind of a follow up to yours, um, which we'll talk about in a second. But look, if you're not going, if you're going to put Julian Edelman in the uh, Hall of Fame conversation, then Heinz Ward goes in before him.
1: <laughs> so, Absolutely.
2: And Heinz Ward is considered a fringe Hall of Fame guy. I mean, I don't even know if
1: do you really think Heinz is going to get in. I mean, if we're talking Julian Edelman, then uh, then there has to be a case for Heinz. But no, probably not anytime soon. it will probably be more like a like a Lynn Swan kind of deal, where where he has to wait maybe twenty twenty five years before he gets in, or you know John Stallworth too. So it'll be, it'll, it'll be yeah, down I mean, the line. He's he's not going to be, and it's not going to be anytime soon. That's for sure.
2: Now I tell you what, once again, I'm going to, I'm going to stop with the Patriots talk. I do respect Bill Belichick. Um, and the reason I respect Bill Belichick the most is that look, Chuck Knoll wasn't the warmest and friendliest of guys. In fact, he reminds me so much <laughs> Belichick does of Chuck Knoll Um just with the business, just, uh, yeah, you know, I can, I can hear Belichick saying a a phrase like, uh, get, move on with his life, life's work, you know, and the famous Chuck Noll thing. So, I mean, so that's why, probably why I don't hate Bill Belichick as much. Um, because I think of Chuck Noll when I think of him. And I mean, it's just, it's just really just what he has done and what he's accomplished. Um, but as far as everything else goes, I have one more thing to say about uh, Super Bowl weekend, and we just touched on it. And I'm going to let you run with this. Let's talk, Alan Fanica. Did he get jobbed again?
1: Did he get jobbed? Um, I mean, he he, I, he probably sh- sh- did. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a better candidate than than the center. I can, I can never think of his name. No, why? Kevin Roy.
2: Uh, I thought Hutchinson, yeah, Steve Hutchinson. I thought Tony Passelli were better candidates than than yeah. Mouye, Kevin Roy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he, he was, definitely was the best guard of his era. He's definitely one of the best offensive linemen who's ever played in the NFL. But I mean, it's just it's just how it goes. I mean, it's, it's you look at the candidates that, that are forced to wait. I mean, Dermoni Dawson. <laughs> I mean, come on, he had to wait twelve years to get in. So. It's 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 nothing new. It's nothing new. It, it's 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 kind of silly how they do it, but but you know he'll 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 get in, and when he does get in, nobody's going to know that he had to wait you know eleven, twelve, thirteen years. You know he'll he'll be up there with all the greats where where he belongs. So uh, did he get a job? Uh, yes. Does it really matter? I I don't think it really matters. I think it's it's just if he has to wait fifty years, that might be a crime. But you know it's it's. it's players on his par have had to wait as long as he has. So, you know, I think he'll be okay.
2: I still think he's next five years, but he is not the next dealer to get in. I uh, I will guarantee that. I will put the fact on that, that Alan Fanica is not the next dealer to get in because next year, 2020, you know whose time it is. Troy, right? Paul Amalu. And uh, he, he looks, he looks to be. I, I've looked at uh, who his competition. He looks to be the headliner of that group. Um. So, which makes me wonder: would they put two Steelers in at the same time? Um. Because he would, Fanick would have to get in next year. I mean, I I'm calling Troy a first ballot Hall of Famer, just for what he's accomplished. Um. Mm-hmm. I really think he he is one. Then 2021 comes around, and wow, it's loaded. I mean, you have Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, I believe Calvin Johnson possibly in that bunch. Um, yeah. Th- these, those are guys that are coming up. So, uh, you know, if Fenneca doesn't get in next year with Troy, it could be a couple more years because then Joe Thomas will be ready. And Joe Thomas is going in over all of these guys and waiting.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
2: So so it'll be interesting to see who goes. Fanica's getting it, and he's not going to have to wait 10 more years. I would say I'm saying four to seven. Um, hope it's not more than that, but I want to see these guys get in now. Um, but with that being said, it's so great to be able to talk about uh, – having players uh, waiting in line for the hall of fame. And when you look at guys like Heinz Ward that might not get in and, uh, and some of the other guys that are coming up that won't get in, but they're Steeler greats like a Heath Miller, like a Ryan yeah. Clark, they're not getting in. And then no. there's always Bill Cower too, to talk about, um, yeah. which, which really is going to be an interesting one. Um as far as coaches but i think bill cowers a hall of famer
1: i would agree you with just that yeah you don't know uh, yeah you don't know i mean it's 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 weird I think with coaches babe yeah cuz coaches are definitely judged on on the number of championships so yeah it it, it might be uh, it might it might be a uh, touch and go with him
2: Well, it was an interesting conversation. We covered a lot of stuff in the uh, last 40 minutes. Um, Tony, as always, it is great doing this show with you. Look, the Super Bowl's over, so does that mean the hangover's over? No. We're going to keep on getting hungover every single week in the offseason as well. There is so much Steeler talk happening every single week. That's why you stay here on Behind the Steel Curtain. Tony, thanks so much. hope you have a great week, my friend.
1: You too, Brian. It was great talking football with you again, and I can't wait to do it next week. I hope you have a great week.
2: You too, buddy. For Tony Defeo and Behind the Steel Curtains, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. We thank you for listening to this recap of a steeler Super Bowl and what would have happened if the Steelers had indeed gotten their stuff together and were able to be in it. But with that being said, thank you so much for listening. You, my friends, have just been hungover.